Good morning. My name is Sonia. If I haven't met you yet, so glad you're here at the Groves. So glad you're here. Um, my voice is already tired out. Woo. Yeah, you're getting it. Going at it. Jesus. Um, <laughs> really so good to have all of you here. Um, I just have one really quick announcement slash um, whatever, recruitment. Um, so we have um, three areas for our um, sort of 18 and under crowd here at the Groves. We've got our, little, we call our littles, which is our like up to kindergarten. And then we've got our elementary school age and then we've got middle school and up. And so um, right now we have uh, Trevor is um, kind of is is taking the lead on our teen hangs, and um, the summer is usually pretty chill. We kind of take a little bit of a break, but kind of off and on. But we'll start um, kind of heading and bringing all those pieces together again in the fall and September. So um, Trevor's taking that on. Rachel takes on our littles, and. Um, we are in need of some volunteers and some people to work with our um, elementary school aged kiddos. So if anyone is like, man, I love elementary school kids. They are the best. Faith is saying, yes, that's me. If that's <laughs> you, um, or you're like, hey, I am mildly interested in something like that. I will take that. <laughs> I have a heartbeat and can pass a background check. And no, I want you to have some, com some passion and some excitement around kids. So if that's you, or maybe you're like, I don't want to lead that up, but I would love to help out in that area. Um, anyway, in any of our kids' stuff, uh, we could use some support in that. So just holler at me later. Yeah? Sweet. Woo. You ready to get into this? I am. Did okay. you introduce yourself? I didn't. I thought I needed no introduction. Who is he? <laughs> My name's Paul. I'm another one of the pastors here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. I live with this one. <laughs> this one. <laughs> we cohabitate. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Co kind of everything, huh? We do. Yeah, goodness. Nice. It's a lot of, lot of me, isn't it? It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I wanted to start by, I was thinking about favorite camping stories, you know, because, um, well, that used to be kind of a tradition around here. When we first got started, um, a lot of places we met would uh, not have space for us all the time. And so there were times during the summer we had to kind of figure out, you know, what were we going to do? How, what, how were we going to fill these spaces that we were uh, kind of without a, a place to gather? And so we always, there was a whole bunch of us when we first got together that were like, we all love camping. Let's go camping. And so once a year we always did this um, all-church camping trip. But the... Uh, the taste of the crowd seems to has, have shifted yeah, over the years. we had a new years. group of people that were yeah. like, I don't really camp. Right, yeah. yeah. So we don't do that as much. Yeah. But I was curious if anybody had a favorite camping story. You're pointing at somebody? <laughs> the Bergs do? Oh. Uh, they... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know what everyone's chuckling about... Um, there was a all church camping trip two summers ago, three summers ago. Yeah, yeah, and um, it was one of those ones we scheduled a little too early in July, 
Because as you know, July can be hit or miss. Oh, was it in June? Oh, so then it was really... Mistakes were made. We really planned dicey. a camping trip in yeah, June yeah. in Oregon. Yeah. yeah. So there was rain, a lot of rain during setup. Finally got set up. But then there was, I think, tent uh, failure of the rain fly. Correct? Lots of rain inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in the rain. Everything got wet, and then everything got put in the car with the car turned on, on with the heat on high, right, to dry it. It was totally working, Yeah. And then when you went to retrieve your sleeping bags, you realized... <laughs> and there was no extra key. And we were in Lost Prairie? Is that... Lost Prairie, we're like, you know... 40 miles from anywhere. I think we were miles from any cell phone reception, right? <laughs> you couldn't even call anybody from the campground. Yeah, so you borrowed a car or somebody took you and you went and sat in the middle of like serial killer lane and waited for somebody to come and break into the car. I was asleep, so I'm not sure how this all <laughs> yeah. went down. I was cozy <laughs> in my sleeping bag during this entire, yeah. No. Jeff took you, and then somebody came and broke in. Awesome. That is a great camping story. Do you have a favorite? Oh, that's right. Yeah, though. Yes. I'd been attacked by a dog. My finger was all mauled. Yeah, Sonia was in. Like and we had an infant, and we were trying to camp. Pitbull fighting thing that summer. Yeah, I was into pitbull fighting. <laughs> yeah, no. I was attacked by pitbulls, and yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That's right. It was a beautiful trip. It was a wild weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. There was a whole thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, Sorry for your loss, man. Um, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about uh, this whole camping thing. I was thinking about um, my trip to Bryce Canyon. I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. That was a crazy, kind of mm -hmm. a crazy trip. That first night 
12 miles in. We're in the middle of the backcountry. No sleep for 36 hours. I didn't know about that part. Yeah, because we... Why would you not sleep? Because we drove overnight to oh. uh, get to Bryce Canyon. And so then hiked then 12 miles. Hiking, that makes sense. Yeah, in the backcountry. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> we were so tired. We were having hallucinations. My friend Jason was sitting in a field, and he kept falling asleep and thinking that a mountain lion was jumping out of this field to get him. And so it kind of was freaking him out. And I, had, I was having these crazy, like, falling asleep hallucinations about something happening to you because we heard about some prison escape when we were on our way driving mm -hmm. up there. And I knew you were actually camping with friends that same weekend. Mm. So that was kind of freaking me out. Third day, we were out of water. Right, we were out of water, and we and we knew the next day we had this like major climb out of the canyon, out of Bryce Canyon, and um, it's a you know it's a desert kind of area, so we weren't sure if there would be water at each um, uh, campsite, but we were told there should be. That was yeah, about yeah. that's about <laughs> as far as the rangers will go. They'll be like, there should be water flowing by that campsite, and so we were like, okay, there should be water, and I was down to like the last little bit of my Nalgene bottle. I was like, man, this is going to be rough if there's not. And the amount of rejoicing when I started to hear that stream that was flowing in the canyon was just off the charts. And I'm just like chugging the last little bit of that water. And it was crazy. It was like to hear the sound of that stream was amazing. Do you but, check to see if there's animals that are cleaning themselves upstream? How does that work? Well, you filter the water if you want to. Oh, did I you filter? I did not. No, not at I've that I've seen those shows on Discovery. Yeah. It is not good when you do not filter water. Yeah, I just figured we were out the next <laughs> day and then drive, drive home. So at worst, I had a little bit of trouble on the way home. But I figured maybe I could get home before. The real trouble yeah. hit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I was thirsty. Mm -hmm. it, it was rough. Yeah. But um, anyway, I was thinking about this stuff because it kind of puts me in touch with the... Um, the kind of vulnerability, you know, that ancient people faced when they would travel. Like when we were talking about these Bible stories, we're working through the book of Exodus together. And I was, I was thinking about that to kind of put us in that place. Because when they would travel, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't as simple as you climb out of this canyon. and There were knew, probably no park rangers. Right. <laughs> they right. didn't even get a, there should be water there. Right. There. Right. Just, yeah. Yeah. They, sure. No, go Morgan. Uh, but I'm you're going, going to. Because just so people can see me. Uh, yeah. So uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm Morgan. I have been part of the Groves for probably about five years mm -hmm. or so. I've been uh, in and out a lot uh, due to a lot of different things. But uh, so three years ago, this was pre-restaurant working days for those of you who know I worked at a restaurant. Uh, I was going on a summer mission trip to Lake Tahoe. So I was uh, going from here to technically Reno by airport. So I'm, but I'm stuck in Portland because the plane is too late in Portland here. Mm -hmm. So I'm stuck four hours in Portland waiting for the plane. Well, if there's any airport to be stuck to in, Portland, Portland is yeah. the one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But so I I make it to I I finally get on the plane, make it to San Francisco where I'm, where I got to go to catch the plane to get to Reno to then be able to catch a, a shuttle to get to Tahoe uh, where I literally I literally get to the gate 
They don't, they don't let you get on after that. <laughs> no. No. You running? No. They do not let you get on after that. So, you know, I'm here sitting in San Francisco now waiting for uh, 11 o'clock at, at night flight, I believe, which will get, which will like get me to Reno at like, I don't know. I, I got to Reno like 2, 3 in the morning where I planned to get there at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. And somehow, like, through this whole time, I was communicating with everyone on that trip and trying to, you know, figure out how am I getting to Tahoe mm -hmm. from Reno at 3 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. Well, literally, a few of the guys that were on the trip Drive to Reno, pick me up at the airport, and drive me to Tahoe, where I've already missed a check-in for everything that was there. And I just, I get my key for the room, I tiptoe in, just go into bed where, you know, both the people were already there in my cabin that I was staying with. And I just try my best just to fall asleep, relax, you know, reset for the next day. But I mean, it was just a crazy, not really camping experience, but a crazy <laughs> traveling experience that I had. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just a little bit about my background of the story. <laughs> yes. yes. Thank so, you, Maury. The journey, yes. The journeys are rarely straight lines, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Always alternatives and, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. They make life fun. Yeah. Point being, I was thinking about travel, <laughs> thinking about it in the ancient world, because that's kind of what's happening with Moses uh, and his family in this little section that, that we're jumping into. And so um, we're just going to pick up where we left off, uh, Exodus chapter 4, starting in, in verse 24, and there is this kind of bizarre kind of set of events that, that happens. So um, Exodus 4, 24 says this, uh, on the journey back, um, so back to Egypt, right? This is what's going on with uh, Moses. He's had this call from God. He's being called to uh, go and be a liberator for his people, right? He's 80 years old. He's been living uh, uh, there for um, 40 years, and he's, he's getting ready to head back. So that's what's happening. On the journey back, as they camped for the night, God met Moses and would have killed him. So Which, who's had one of those camping trips? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just like doing your camping thing and then God wants to kill you. Yeah. That's not and, a... Right. And there, there's no. not a lot of explanation as to like, what's going on It just pops into the text there. too, just for the record. Yeah. This whole, path, these two verses just sort of pop out of nowhere in the book of Exodus. Yeah. Just which like, I'm not fond of. I'm like, okay, what's the point? God, right. Like, whoa. What's the storyteller? Yeah. What's up? But it seems yeah. that... Um, Virtually all the commentary on this uh, suggests that, you know, Moses had fallen deathly ill. Okay. And so this is how they're, uh, they're interpreting this illness. This is uh, God uh, causing him sickness uh, in order to get his attention or to get somebody's attention, mm -hmm. right? And um, so um, it, it made me think, you know, if Moses had become sick, why phrase it as if God was actively trying to kill Moses? So I'm, I'm looking around and, uh, you know, the... The, um, there's an article in a book called Hard Sayings of the Bible. And um, if that kind of stuff interests you, the, these kind of statements that you're like, whoa, this seems 
out of touch. Like a, a lot of modern Christians, contemporary Christians, really uh, struggle with these expressions of violence being placed at God's feet and that sort of thing. And um, this book gives these incredible kind of explanations of this stuff. So it's a great resource. It goes through many of the hard stuff. So the hard sayings of the Bible is the name of the book if, if anybody uh, wants that as a resource. But it, it was talking about this idea and it said that the syntax of Old Testament Hebrew tends to be unconcerned with secondary causes. Thus, what God permitted is often said to be the, in the Old Testament to be done directly by him. Mm -hmm. In other words, like they're not going to mention, they're not concerned that he got sick. They see it as God was trying to kill him. Mm -hmm. that, that was how the writers of these stories saw this. So that's how they phrase it. Um, so the writers of the Bible stories are often, they're just not concerned with the same things we are, you know. For the biblical writer, God allowing something and God doing something are virtually the same. Um, and so those options, though, they seem to affect us very differently, right? Mm -hmm. We were talking about this yeah. yesterday. I was like, is this just me or, or do you think? Is it different when you say, like, God allowed the earthquake versus God caused the earthquake, right? Or is it different? God allowed the war. God caused the war. He allowed the hurricane or he caused the hurricane, you know, um, you agree with that? That yeah. for us it seems to be yeah. easier? Yeah. So I, you know, that brings me to the question, why is it easier, you know, for us to say God allowed something versus God did it? What do you, what yeah, was I your just, take on that? Yeah, I, I, well, you know, when we read, we started reading this, I don't like, I, this is just, right? right. I, I, I was telling you that if I understand, like, let's say some, a, a tragedy happens, it is way easier for me to say, like, God allowed that versus he caused that yeah. because there's a sort of direct, like, something about God that would be violent or harmful, right? Mm. It goes against what I, a picture or a way in which I, I right. want to understand God. Yeah. And I was also talking about how it, it, for me, if I say this is allowed to happen, it, uh, it also gives space for human choice and activity. So it's not that God did, right, because I believe in some free agency of my own, or I'd like to believe in some free agency of my own. So perhaps in my, the way that I've always thought about it is that God allows me to make decisions that may be good or bad for people around me, right? Yeah. There are consequences. And so I like the idea or the language of God allowing versus God causing. Yeah. But as we got into this philosophical discussion, which I was so not prepared for yesterday, <laughs> um, as you were pointing out, it's like what is ultimately even in that way of thinking, ultimately, where's the root cause, right? Like, yeah. if you keep going with that, what or who is the source of my decision-making or the choices or the activity that's going around yeah. us? One of the things I think happens is we, we tend to um, think of God so personal in this era. Uh, and, we, and, not, and I'm not saying that's bad. It, it is awesome to, to have this identification with the person of Jesus and to see... Uh, God in that way and have that kind of uh, love relationship, that kind of connection. You feel that sense of being loved. But I think it causes us to forget that God is also, he's a person, but he's so much more. He is other. He, you know, he's other than, than we are. And um, one of the like rough analogies that I, I identify with is this idea that, you know, God is also force, like, like the forces of nature. He's the creator of nature, so he's also like the forces of nature. And, and there are things that if you violate forces of nature, 
It's not, like, it's not personal from gravity if you jump off something <laughs> and gravity pulls you to the ground at a violent rate of speed, right? You violated that law of gravity, and now you're going to pay a price for that. And, and I often see that as kind of what's going on in the, some of these stories is that there is a, a law or something that God has set out, and people are violating it, and it's not God is like personally like, oh, I'm just offended and I'm going to get <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it is this yes. like unstoppable the cause, the force. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if that's helpful to you. That's always been helpful to me because it expands God beyond just my like, oh, if God was like a person like me and he's doing yes, exactly. these things to people, exactly. you know, and I, I don't think that's how it is. And we struggle to understand this, right? Mm -hmm. This is the kind of questions I think we sit with mm -hmm. um, our entire life. And, and I have trouble believing that we're capable of finding definitive answers, but I also think it's worth, like there's value in continuing to mull these things over and try to find greater understanding, try to find greater levels of peace um, with these expressions. And so we're always trying to do that. We wrestle with these things and discover ideas that are stronger than others, or um, we adopt a belief based in faith, right? And so for us, the idea of like, there's an ultimate idea that God is good, and we trust in that even when we see things that we're like, whoa, I'm not sure I understand mm -hmm. how that works. And so I, I, yeah, I, I think the reality that we exist in is that even as believers and as people who are, if we are like, we believe in God, we believe that God is good, but we confront, we live in an, in an environment that is constantly challenging yeah. that sense of God's goodness. Mm -hmm. Because if God is good, then why X, right? Yeah, basically, um, whether if God is it good, is, why suffering? Right. right? Any if kind God of is good, then why is this happening to me? Yeah. And, um, and so I, that is the very real ex existence that we have, which can, can, be, can erode and tear away from what that God is good, from our belief in that, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. But that's where I come back to this idea of uh, like a belief, a faith, versus something that I know empirically, right? I can't, I can't prove this empirically. But I believe the statement that the uh, Apostle Paul made when he's talking about working, or like our salvation, being saved by God, his goodness. And in Romans 8, 28, he says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so uh, those kind of things, I mean, that is, that is part of what it is to be a follower of Jesus, is believing some of these ideas that we can't quite, maybe we don't have the whole perspective. Maybe mm -hmm. we can't see all of eternity at once. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Is there anyone who can, you know? <laughs> so um, while God, seen as causing suffering, bothers some of us, I trust he's working things out for good, mm -hmm. right? God causing or allowing Moses to get sick to the point of death was his working out things for good. Um, and it got his wife's attention. That seems to be part of the uh, intent of the storyteller to show us that it, it got his wife's mm -hmm. attention. Um, verse 2 says... Verse 25. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I don't have my glasses today. Uh, there is a two there. <laughs> um, Zipporah took a flint knife. So this is her reaction. Okay. So God wants to kill Moses, so Zipporah <laughs> yes. took a flint knife and cut off her son's foreskin hmm. and touched Moses' <laughs> member with it. Um, yes, that sounds, did. right, normal? Yeah. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> <That's> a... <laughs> yeah. 
That would be my, little, my first response. Yeah, yeah, little yeah. side note, I thought this was a really interesting thing. Because uh, anytime I see the word foot in, um, in Hebrew, uh, foot is often used as a euphemism for uh, members. And um, so other, other translations translate it literally. Uh, and it, it'll, you'll see it, she touched his foot or his feet with it. But um, Eugene Peterson, the, we're reading from the message this morning. So Eugene Peterson translates it, uh, Moses' member, mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting to me. I don't know. Just the translator in me likes that stuff. Um, yes? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This interaction with the feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, so continuing on. So she does this act um, and uh, says, and then says this, oh, you're a bridegroom of blood to me. Um, you know, which I don't think was like a pet name or something kind of <laughs> endearing. Yeah. She's, she's upset. Um, and then God let him go. So he got well so he could make the trip. She used the phrase bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision, in case you didn't pick up on that, I guess. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. why. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, um, what? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so we read this text. We're getting ready to preach this week. And we read this text. And I'm like, I have no idea how we're going to encourage the body of Christ this morning. <laughs> With God wanted to kill Moses after a camp, you know, he's on yeah. his way. Moses is on his way to do what God asked him to do. Yeah. God is like, apparently God wants to kill him. Mm -hmm. And so in response, his wife is like, okay, I know what I need to do. I need to go circumcise my son yeah. and then take that bit of skin and touch Moses' member with it. Or his foot. And then be like, oh, you're a bridegroom of blood to me, you know? <laughs> and then like, so go with God, go with everyone. God. <laughs> like, I don't know. Where hey, do you, peace what be do you with you. That, right? <laughs> what do you do with that? Okay, and um, so, so, yeah, what do we do with that? So here's the thing. Context is everything, right? Context, we're so far removed from what's going on in this story. And um, Zipporah's action shows that she instinctively connected uh, Moses' sickness with a failure to place their son in God's covenant through circumcision. Okay, so here's the thing about circumcision that we don't, this is so far outside of our context, right? So I found some photos of circumcision. Would you? No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. So, <laughs> just so we're all on the same page. No. So circumcision circumcision was the sign of a covenant with God, yeah. with God's people. It wasn't, right, faithful church attendance. It wasn't reading the scripture. It was the sign of the covenant, the agreement that Israel, the Abraham covenant that was told to us in Genesis, yeah. the sign of being in relationship with God, of God's people being, you know, people belonging to God was circumcision. So he said, God gave instruction in Genesis chapter 17, this is my requirement that you and your descendants after you must keep. Every male among you must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskins. It is weird, isn't it? Right? Like this is the sign. 
It's kind of, anyway. Because well, it's a medical thing to us. Yeah. Right? We're not, we don't associate that with. Uh, like a religious right. I mean, identity in, practice. In this era, in this context, they weren't the only ones. Yeah, uh, other... Matter of fact, Egyptians practiced a form, uh, maybe not a full circumcision, but I was reading like a form of uh, partial adult uh, circumcision. Yeah. So it wasn't. This is the research we get to do yeah. for this work. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, so um, oh. You have something to add to the um, What is circumcision? Actually, there are practices of, well, it's. Yeah, yeah, but yes, anyway. that's a great. Yeah. Well, it was, it was definitely a patriarchal society, yep. and all of every. It came through men. Yep, so, that was how it was seen. Yeah, so the sure. family then. And, and it was actually, it was supposed to be the head of the family, the male, that would have done the circumcision. But we're assuming that Moses, maybe he was too sick or whatever, that he couldn't pull well, that off hadn't. himself. Well, he had I think that's really the point. Yeah, he hadn't. And so he had not been faithful. Yeah, so to... the ladies coming through again. All right. Yeah. All right. She wasn't real happy about it. No, though. she was not. It yeah. was not her. So they were told they have to circumcise. circumcise. This is the covenant. And... Um, and that every male who is eight days old would be circumcised. So this was an, in, you know, this was what was supposed to have been done. Moses did not do that. Mm -hmm. um, um, and so, so this is why, I mean, the sort of the like the the insult, right? Of you, because the Philistines were actually one neighboring nation that did not practice circumcision right. at all. Mm -hmm. And so that like you uncircumcised Philistines, you remember those phrases in the Old Testament? Like yeah. that's why it's such an insult, right? right? It's a they are not they are not a part of they're not the people of God. They are mm -hmm. pagan, right? Outside of that right. relationship, and 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 this circumcision and even the. Imagine then, because circumcision is supposed to, is the sign of a covenant relationship, so then it makes sense and even more powerful when later prophets like Jeremiah would accuse Israel of having uncircumcised hearts, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. you're following through with the physical part, but your actual being and who you are, right. are you're, not my, you're not being my people right now. Yeah. So um, anyway... So there, there may have been, when we look at this story between Moses and Zipporah, and this is the part where I think is so relatable, um, uh, one of the commentaries was saying, there may well have been a long debate in the household over whether or not their son should be circumcised, right? Perhaps Zipporah argued that the operation struck her as repulsive. It seems like that, yeah. right? She was, she was not on board. Moses may have countered, but God commanded that we circumcise all of our male children. But in order to keep peace in the house, Moses is like, well, hey, right. we'll just, you know, we're in Midian anyway. We're not living among Hebrews. I'm not, I'm not a practicing Hebrew, maybe, yeah. or whatever, right? right? right. Um, and so he let the matter drop and risked disobeying the command of God or uh, um, entering into this covenant relationship with God. So here's Moses, the leader, called to go set Hebrew people free but not in the covenant relationship, right, right? Yeah. with God. And so Zipporah does that, and this is what the storyteller seems to be telling us, right. that, there, that there needed to be a covenant relationship that Moses had. He needed yeah. to enter that if he was going to be the leader to go and liberate. Yeah, I thought that was the best answer we came up with with mm -hmm. all the different reading that we did, and that was, you know, this was uh, like a penalty for not taking God seriously enough. And... Um, so, you know, that's, that was, and God was serious about his covenant with Israel. 
And he needed Moses to see that, right? He needed Moses to see that um, he wasn't only a liberator, but that he was liberating a people for an even greater purpose. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's going to be the theme throughout this whole story, that, yes, it's a theme of liberation. God's setting his people free. But the, it's not just about liberation. It's about liberation for a purpose, for a purpose of being the people of God. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we're looking at this, we're going, like, what, how does this speak to us in our era? How does this speak to us as uh, followers of Jesus? Uh, who don't um, embrace, you know, a lot of these Old Testament rituals and cultures. And, um, and so the best thing I could come up with was I wonder if it would be like one of us attempting to bring about the kingdom of God without the new covenant we find in Jesus. And so, you know, I, like some of the images of this would be like uh, in the book we, we went through uh, last year, went through Hebrews, right? And in Hebrews 7... And the writer of Hebrews, uh, all through the beginning of the book, if you remember, is arguing for Jesus as greater than all of the uh, um, different important parts of Judaism. Jesus greater than the temple. Jesus greater than the high priest. Jesus greater than, and he's always arguing that. And so he says in uh, chapter 7, verses uh, 22 through 25, this makes Jesus the guarantee of a far better way between us and God one that really works, a new covenant. Uh, Earlier, there were a lot of priests, for they died and had to be replaced. But Jesus' priesthood is permanent. He's there from now to eternity to save everyone who comes to God through him, always on the job to speak up for them. So from the perspective of the biblical writers, all justice, you know, and all liberation ultimately is a result of right relationship between God and humanity. And, um, and I, I think it's important to draw that out because um, it's easy to get, uh, have our focus be somewhere else. So, so here's two perspectives that I was kind of kicking around. One is this. All justice or all liberation work is kingdom of God work and Jesus is present in it. Right? And I think that's, that's kind of a sound idea. I've heard it said, find out where Jesus is working, where he's doing, and join him in it right? Um, But another perspective that I think is worth considering, and not even counter, I think you can wrestle with both of these, um, is to attempt to do justice or liberation work without Jesus is incomplete. Hmm. And I think, I actually think both of those uh, are true. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the question that I think we need to ask, and, and this is why we're asking it, because Moses here is on his way to do this liberating work. But we see that he, God wanted him to be in that covenant relationship with him. And that was actually a requirement to go and do the full liberating work. Mm -hmm. And so the parallel, like you're saying, is, okay, if we are involved in the liberating work, which I think we are all invited into, um, if we are invited into that liberating work, can we do that outside of our relationship with Jesus? And my argument was like, I don't even know how that is possible. But I, you know, if as a believer, I am compelled that the new work that God did in me, if God set me free, if I've been made new, then there, then, then that, that invites me into the liberating work for other people, right? Right. right. In whatever shape or form that looks. So the qu- one of the questions is, what does complete liberation look like? Mm. Right? Because I think Christ's liberation is whole. It's yeah, yeah. full. It's complete. 
And it might not be fully realized here and now when we talk about this, like the kingdom of God came through Jesus, the kingdom of God is coming in its fullness, and we kind of exist in this time between times. So we don't always get that full picture, like that full liberation. Right. But there is a, a promise in this like a vision that we have because of our faith in Jesus of what a full liberation is, right? It's like not only are your stomachs full and you're clothed and you have safety and security, whatever, if that's housing or, mm-hmm. right, or, or no fear of violence. Um, or, but it's also that we can, ex- we can live in that with the peace that comes from Christ, right? right? Yeah. With hope that comes through Christ, exhibiting and living in love that comes through Christ. It is liberation to me is body, mind, and spirit. It's the whole person right. that Jesus wants to liberate and that he wants to set free. Yeah, and of course right? this has been a theme for us, right? For over a decade, this was the kind of ideas you, you who have journeyed with us know we love talking about this because we see this as a major issue in the American church that uh, for a lot of different reasons in the history of the American church, there seems to have been a split where uh, one portion of the church really focused on social justice issues and another portion of the church really focused on uh, personal relationship with Christ kind of thing. And we believe the whole gospel incorporates mm-hmm. all those things. Yeah. 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 And so if I think about our particular context, I think that um, if I'm thinking about liberating work and the justice work that many of us are involved in and the justice organizations that we're involved in, I think that the Portland Christian, oh, here, I think that the Portland Christian advocate and justice worker has often been shamed into silence about the Jesus part of our beliefs and why we do mm. what we do. Mm. And I think that there's, it's literal shame because of maybe the way that other faith organizations have worked or, you know, uh, uh, the preconditions that we have put on, on doing good to others. So we might be tempted, and I've seen this even in my work in Portland with different faith-based organizations or ones that have started that way, is that they've pulled farther and farther away from identifying as, as Christian right. or as part of the church, right? Now, we might be tempted to do good work and avoid or ignore why we're compelled. And there's a, um, a writer, activist who I follow, his name is Michael Ware, and he worked in, has worked in Washington, D.C. for a long time, worked with the Obama campaign and church um, relationship, relation, faith partnerships, and he said this, when we work in Washington, our ideas of hope have to come from somewhere outside of politics. Mm. And I always think about that. When we are engaging in the justice work and the good things that need to happen in our world, I think that our ideas of hope our ideas of love, what it means to love and how to love, our ideas of what justice really are, have to come outside of our context and outside of our, our, our world, right? So as Christians, I think it's our covenant, right? So the basic, at the base, as Christians, it's the, our covenant, it's our relationship with Jesus that has made us new, that has set us free, that has brought us into the liberating work in the world. So what are we free from? Let's just start naming those things. What are we free from because of Jesus? Death? What? Guilt. What else? What are we free from? I think we need reminded sometimes. Racism, is that what you said? Yeah. What? Death. Yeah. The grave? Sin? Somebody? What? Fear? Yeah. Guilt. All the, all the ick, all the ick. Okay, yeah, so yeah, what we would call sin and the effects of it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that would be the biblical uh, idea: is that 
because sin is this huge idea, it, and it incorporates racism and misogyny and oppression and, and all these massive kind of social issues as well as uh, personal lust or, or greed or selfishness, right? It, 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 and that's what I want us to get is that we see it all as connected, right? Our, that's, I think, what Jesus is doing. You've heard me say this before. I think this is what Jesus is doing when he connects the idea of anger with murder, Right? If you remember his teaching on that, he's like, you've heard it said, don't murder, but I tell you that if you're even angry, right? And he does this whole teaching on anger and name-calling and shaming and associating that with murder. And I think what he's getting at is the seeds of murder start in that level of kind of dehumanizing others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so... It is all part of the same ick, <laughs> right. and that is what we have a chance to be free from. Right, right. right. Is that Jesus? Yeah, and and that we have been we've been liberated from that. I yeah. think I forget this at times. I, that this we is absolutely what we've been set forget free this. From. Yes, I've, I get to have a new relationship with power. Yeah. Yeah. right. Jesus right. changed and transformed that for me, yeah. so that I don't have to live in the way of of our context, of our environment, of yeah. our world, right? Yeah. We, are, we are set free from that. And it is God's love that has transformed us. Mm -hmm. And it's God's love that has even given us the capacity to love, yeah. right? Yeah. How do I even know about love, right? Okay, my, my view about what love is should be changed when I look at the love God has by sending his son Jesus mm -hmm. for me right? God putting on flesh and walking with us. That should change how I imagine love mm. and how I imagine the actions of love and what that looks like yeah. and how I live in this world, right? So when, when what we know about love because of Jesus, that is, that is a distinctive in our world. It doesn't make us better. It doesn't, but it should enlarge our space, mm. give us the capacity and the imagination and the, like, just the compulsion to, to live selflessly, right? right? Yes. Um, it isn't lust. It isn't emotion. It's something entirely different yeah. that we learn from because of Jesus, yeah. right? When we sing a song like, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, we should consider what this means on how we love our families, our neighbors, our immigrants, and even our enemies, mm. right? This is what this, we are transformed. We should be transformed. There should be something, there is something different, I think, yeah. about the love that we have as people of faith yeah. and the way in which we are then charged with engaging and loving in our world. Galatians 5, 6 says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision carries any weight. The only thing that matters is faith working through love. It's a new covenant that we're in, this covenant relationship with Jesus. And it is through that covenant relationship then that we are invited into this faith working through love in our world, right? Yeah. If I believed, and this is the challenge, honestly, I, I, if I believed there was a better way of love outside of Jesus, then I would do that. And I would encourage you to investigate that. If there's a better way to engage in love in our world, if there's a better way to live, I mean, I, I just, I am convinced. And I guess that's what I felt compelled this morning as I was preparing. It's like, I am convinced that Jesus is the way to love. Yeah. Jesus is the, he's the new covenant and that we no longer have this circumcision thing that we have to um, operate under. We have this new covenant with relationship with Jesus and with God through Jesus. Um, and that, that is the way. I am fascinated and I'm enamored and I'm compelled by Jesus, who he spent time with, how he told stories, the way that he walked with us, mm. right? And yeah. it invites me and compels me to be committed to the Jesus way, yeah. right? 
And I found that that way of Jesus deepens my convictions about justice. It deepens my convictions when it comes to racism and misogyny and immigration. It deepens my sense of what is right and then increases my capacity to engage and to love. Mm -hmm. So I want to encourage all of you, if there were any takeaways from this morning from a story about God wanting to kill someone while they were camping and then (laughs) circumcision from a son and touching penises, here's what I would say to you. Investigate the lives of people of faith who led ordinary and extraordinary lives of justice and love. Mm -hmm. Like, go find those people that are tied, so deeply tied to the church, to faith, to Jesus, and we're part of liberating in, in, in the world. Like, really read Martin Luther King Jr. Really read his work. Because what he was doing on the streets and what he was a part of was absolutely tied to his convictions and who Jesus was yeah. in his life. Yeah. Those things were you know, infused. There was no separation of those things, right? Take a look at Oscar Romero, one of my favorites. Um, oh, gosh. Oscar Romero. Uh, I just powerful life. Um, I want to go on and on about him. Um, people, like Joan of Arc, Sojourner Truth, Lucretia Mott. Like take a look historically at people who were living these amazing lives of faith um, that were compelled from their relationship with Jesus and their yeah. conviction about and, and their beliefs with God. And spend time investigating liberation and justice in our text, in Scripture. Investigate the words of Jesus, the consequences of his life, death, and resurrection. Mm. Like, take a look at it. I, I, I'm telling you, the deeper, this is our deep in God, deep in culture, mm-hmm. the deeper you go into who God is, who Jesus is, the Spirit of God alive in his church, the deeper you are going to want to embed yourself and be a part of God's liberating work right now, yeah. right here, yeah. in our city, in our world. For sure. So do that. <laughs> <laughs> do that. I don't know. That's it. I got that's it. it. That's it. All right. You want to pray? You want me to pray? I want you, you too because I got to hop okay, over here. Okay, let's do yeah. this. Lord, we're so grateful for um, this wonderful group of people, this place to meet, God, uh, for all the things you uh, bring us together to do, to enjoy uh, this time. But God, we know that this is, um, this is a pause. This is a time to pause and, and be with you and learn um, for the purpose of being sent out. God, that we see that theme over and over again, that you, you call us for a purpose.